Welcome to Reading for Our Times, a podcast where we feature readings from our favorite books, extracts that offer short windows into works of fiction, poetry, and non-fiction that speak to us in many ways, sometimes taking us to a place of comfort, at others forcing us to face difficult or deep questions, and at others taking us on an adventure, making us smile, or allowing us to escape into other worlds both familiar and new. In this episode, we have five readers presenting a range of work, the poetry of Wendell Berry, the provocative fiction of Manreet Sodhi Someshwar, the evocative prose of Lauren Isley, the delightful whimsy of Sharda Koluru, and the wicked charm of Italo Calvino's storytelling. We hope you enjoy the small glimpses into the selected works and are tempted to look for them wherever books are found. Hi, I am Ashish Pitti and I would like to read you a poem by Wendell Berry, The Peace of Wild Things. When despair for the world grows in me and I wake in the night at the least sound, in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water. I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time I rest in the grace of the world and am free. Hi. I'm Natasha Ramaratnam, and I'm reading from a book called The Radiance of a Thousand Suns by Manreet Sodhi Someshwar. In this section, Nikki's papa is documenting the stories of partition, and this is the story of a Hindu fundamentalist called Savan Kumar. Home? Nikki asked. Papa nodded. Exactly what Prem asked him. To which Savan Kumar said that in one lifetime, there could be only one home. But it was a homeland of the Muslims now, Prem insisted, to which the Hindu fundamentalist replied that all Muslims were not bad. In fact, it was time that was bad, time that had led them all to act in the way they did, both the Hindus and Muslims. It was a time of pralaya. As the Mahabharat says, when men will destroy. Papa sat back in the chair, sipping his whiskey. The room went quiet, the edges of the loose sheets stirring with the breeze of the fan. That's not all, Papa said. More skeletons? Yes. Savan Kumar sends a monthly money order to a woman in Papapan. An elderly Muslim who was his vet nurse. This man who has waged a hate campaign against Muslims for the last 10 years has a surrogate Muslim mother who he calls Ammi and supports to this day. This gets weirder and weirder, Nikki snorted. Why the sharad then, Papa? Selective silence. No grace. Only black and white. 
That is what happens when people indulge in secretarian politics. I could share it in class, but we need more women's stories. Women's stories, men's stories, enemies' stories, friends' stories. We all need more stories so that we can break the silence, so that we can remember, mourn, grapple with the violence within us. The violence that makes us kill our brothers, kill our women, kill our Nuran. Papa bowed his head. He cupped his face in his hands. Sobs shook his back. Hi, I'm Sita Reddy and I'm going to um, read a, small, a short passage for you from a book called The Immense Journey by Lauren Isley, who was an anthropologist, naturalist, but also a poet considered um, widely admired for his um, writing style. Uh, the passage I've chosen is from an essay called How Flowers Change the World. And this is how it ends. Somewhere, just a short time before the close of the age of reptiles, there occurred a soundless, violent explosion. It lasted millions of years, but it was an explosion, nevertheless. It marked the emergence of the angiosperms, the flowering plants. Even the great evolutionist, Charles Darwin, called them an abominable mystery because they appeared so suddenly and spread so fast. Flowers change the face of the planet. Without them, the world we know, even man himself, would never have existed. Francis Thompson, the English poet, once wrote that one could not pluck a flower without troubling a star. In that moment, the golden towers of man, his swarming millions, his turning wheels, the vast learning of his packed libraries would glimmer darkly there in the ancestor of wheat, a few seeds held in a muddy hand. Without the gift of flowers and the infinite diversity of their fruits, man and bird, if they had continued to exist at all, would be today unrecognizable. Archaeopteryx, the lizard bird, might still be snapping at beetles on a sequoia limb. Man might still be a nocturnal insectivore, gnawing a roach in the dark. The weight of a petal has changed the face of the world and made it ours. Hello everyone, I am Haribriya. I am sharing a few lines from this book, A Kite Called Korika, written by Sharada Koluru published by Tulika. My father called Mala in his arms and I stood with Korika in my hand. We stood out in the open close to the fields. With parted lips, Mala watched me ride on the kite. God, please cure Mala quickly. I gripped the kite with both my hands and tossed it gently into the wind. When it began to ascend, I looked at Mala and, looked, and he looked at me. I smiled at him. That night, Mala clutched my hand tight as he slept. The next morning, he woke up feeling better. The fear was gone. My friends think my wish was not fulfilled, but I think it was. Now, every time I sit under the people tree, 
I look at the sky hoping to catch another korika for a cycle or marbles or bangles or maybe a school bag. Hi, my name is Uma Magal and I'm going to read you a very short story by Italo Calvino from his book Numbers in the Dark called The Man Who Shouted Teresa and it is considered illustrative of the herd mentality that us humans are prone to. <clears throat> I stepped off the pavement, walked backwards a few paces looking up and from the middle of the street brought my hands to my mouth to make a megaphone and shouted toward the top stories of the block. Teresa! My shadow took fright at the moon and huddled at my feet. Someone walked by. Again I shouted, Teresa! The man came up to me and said, If you don't shout louder, she won't hear you. Let's both try. So, count to three, on three we shout together. And he said, one, two, three. And we both yelled, Teresa! A small group of friends passing by on their way back from the theatre or the cafe saw us calling out. They said, come on, we'll give you a shout too. And they joined us in the middle of the street and the first man said, one, two, three, and everybody together shouted, Teresa! Somebody else came by and joined us. A quarter of an hour later, there were a whole bunch of us, 20 almost, and every now and then somebody new came along. Organizing ourselves to give a good shout all at the same time was not easy. There was always someone who began before three or who went on too long. But in the end, we were managing something fairly efficient. We agreed that the T should be shouted long and low, the RE high and long, and the SA low and short. It sounded fine. Just a squabble every now and again when someone was off. We were beginning to get it right when somebody, who if his voice was anything to go by, must have had a very freckled face, asked, But are you sure she's home? No, I said. That is bad, another said. Forgotten your key, have you? Actually, I said, I have my key. So, they asked, why don't you go on up? I don't live here, I answered. I live on the other side of town. Well then, excuse my curiosity, the one with the freckled voice asked. But who lives here? I really wouldn't know, I said. People were a bit upset about this. So could you please explain, someone with a very toothy voice asked. Why are you down here? calling out Teresa. As far as I'm concerned, I said, we can call out another name or try somewhere else if you like. The others were a bit annoyed. I hope you are not playing a trick on us, the freckled one asked suspiciously. What? What? I said resentfully, and I turned to the others for confirmation of my good faith. The others said nothing. There was a moment of embarrassment. Oh, look, someone said good-naturedly. Why don't we all call Teresa one more time? Then we'll just go home. So we did it one more time. One, two, 
three, Teresa! But it did not come out very well. Then people headed off for home, some one way, some another. I had already turned into the square when I thought I still heard a voice calling, Teresa! Someone must have stayed on to shout, someone stubborn. I hate to have to pull you back from that charming Italian village to wherever you are now. We hope you enjoyed that. Thanks to our readers Ashish Pitti, Natasha Ramaratnam, Sita Reddy, Hari Priya and Uma Magal. The music that bookends the show is from the track To Be Inspired by Andrew and made available on eon.com. If you've enjoyed the show, do leave us a comment or share any feedback you might have. If you'd like to read with us, do get in touch with me at usha.raman, that's U-S-H-A dot R-A-M-A-N at gmail.com. This is Usha Raman. Thanks for listening. There are books we go back to again and again, words that speak to us across time. Here are a few excerpts from some of our favorite books, stories and poems that keep us smiling, wondering and hopeful, particularly in these anxious times. My name is Samina Mishra. I'm a filmmaker and a children's writer and uh, I also teach. I'm going to read you um, an excerpt from a children's book that I love and like all really good children's books, it's a book uh, for everyone. This is a book called This is a Poem That Heals Fish by Jean-Pierre Simon and Olivia Talek. And in the excerpt that I'm going to read you, um, the little boy Arthur is talking to his fish, Leon. I'm sorry, Leon, I have not found a poem. All I know is that a poem is when you have the sky in your mouth. It is hot like fresh bread. When you eat it, a little is always left over. A poem is when you hear the heartbeat of a stone when birds beat their wings. It is a song sung in a cage. A poem is words turned upside down and suddenly the world is new. Leon opens one eye, then the other. And for the first time in his life, he speaks. Then I am a poet, Arthur. Oh, and my poem is my silence. I hope you like this excerpt. Hi, I'm Teja. I'm reading a short verse in English and its original in Telugu from a collection of short Telugu verses 
from a book called A Poem at the Right Moment, collected and translated by Velchir Narayan Rao and David Shulman. The verse by Vishwanatha Satinarayana reminds me to spend more effort and more time on text or verse that I find hard or obtuse. In the old days, if a text was demanding, the reader felt it was his lack. These days, the poet is to blame. Devious are the ways of this dying age. Toli nalula padhyardhamu teliyani cho patakuniri teliyani. E nalula rasina kavi doshamu. Kali gadachina koladi chitra gatulan chalakuni. Thanks. Next we have Surur reading from E.E. E. Cummings. Nobody loses all the time by E.E. E. Cummings. Nobody loses all the time. I had an uncle named Sol who was a born failure and nearly everybody said he should have gone into Wardwell. Perhaps because my uncle Sol could sing McCandy was a diver on Xmas Eve like hell itself, which may or may not account for the fact that my uncle Sol indulged in that possibly most inexcusable of all, to use a highfalutin phrase, luxuries, that is, or to wit farming. And be needlessly added, my uncle Saul's farm failed because the chickens ate the vegetables. So my uncle Saul had a chicken farm till the skunks ate the chickens, when my uncle Saul had a skunk farm, but the skunks caught cold and died. And so my uncle Saul imitated the skunks in a subtle manner or by drowning himself in the water tank. But somebody who'd given my uncle Saul a Victor Victrola and records while he lived, presented to him, upon the auspicious occasion of his decease, a scrumptious, not to mention splendiferous, funeral, with tall boys and black gloves and flowers and everything. And I remember we all cried like the Missouri when my uncle Saul's coffin lurched, because somebody pressed a button and down went my uncle Saul and started a worm farm. Hi, this is Sadhana Ramchander. I'm reading a poem called The Summer Teacher, by Nivedita Agashe from a book called 97 Poems. That summer, when I was as high as my grandma's knee, she decided to send me to an art class. Early in the morning, I was woken up, my sketchbook, pencils, paints, and my brushes packed. My teacher had a gray beard, thick glasses, a penchant for clean, crisp shirts and a smile that made his eyes crinkle. He looked us over, a large group of barely awake kids forced out of bed early on a summer holiday morning. He had two rules, he said. We hated rules. You all need to take a bath before you come to class. We hated baths. And the second rule? When you paint, break all the rules there are. A blue sun, red grass, yellow crows, pink elephants and purple people were perfectly acceptable. We stared at him trying to fathom a world where no one was telling us to colour within the lines. And just like that, we started taking baths at 6am every day without a single complaint. Hi. I am Anjali Lal Gupta. I am going to read a passage from this book, Siddhartha by Herman Hesse. It's one of my favorite books. Uh, this passage that I am about to read describes 
the ferryman uh ferryman is one of the main characters of this book and ever since i read siddhartha i wanted to find and be with the ferryman um he's this universal mentor teacher listener so here is the passage the name of the ferryman is vasudeva here is the passage as he went on speaking and vasudeva listened to him with a serene face siddhartha was more keenly aware than ever of vasudeva's attentiveness he felt his troubles his anxieties and his secret hopes flow across to him and then return again disclosing his wound to this listener was the same as bathing it in the river until it became cool and one with the river as he went on talking and confessing siddhartha felt more and more that this was no longer vasudeva no longer a man who was listening to him he felt that this motionless listener was absorbing his confession as a tree absorbs the rain that this motionless man was the river itself that he was god himself that he was eternity itself i'm usha and i'm going to be reading a passage from salman rushdie's harun and the sea of stories this is one of my favorite of all of rushdie's works and it's a book that i've enjoyed reading with my children In this piece um that I'm going to read Harun meets if the water genie in his search for a way to bring the gift of the gab to his father the shah of bla a master storyteller who has now lost the ability to tell stories So here's the passage So if the water genie told Harun about the ocean of the streams of story and even though he was full of a sense of hopelessness and failure the magic of the ocean began to have an effect on harun he looked into the water and saw that it was made up of a thousand 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 and one different currents each one a different color weaving in and out of one another like a liquid tapestry of breathtaking complexity and if explained that these were the streams of story that each colored strand represented and contained a single tale different parts of the ocean contained different sorts of stories and as all the stories that had ever been told and many that were still in the process of being invented could be found here the ocean of the streams of story was in fact the biggest library in the universe and because the stories were held here in fluid form they retained the ability to change to become new versions of themselves to join up with other stories and so become yet other stories so that unlike a library of books the ocean of the streams of story was much more than a storeroom of yarns it was not dead but alive and if you are very very careful or very very highly skilled you can dip a cup into the ocean if told harun like so and here he produced a little golden cup from another of his waistcoat pockets and you can fill it with water from a single pure stream of story like so 
and as he did precisely that. And then you can offer it to a young fellow who's feeling blue, so that the magic of the story can restore his spirits. Go on now, knock it back, have a swig, do yourself a favor, if concluded, guaranteed to make you feel A number one. Harun, without saying a word, took the golden cup and drank. readers for sharing their favorite words with us. Samina Mishra, Teja Balantrapu, Surur Ali Khan, Sadna Ramchandar, Anjali Lal Gupta, and me, Usha Raman. The music that frames the readings is from the track To Be Inspired by Andrew and made available on eon.com. <laughs>